This is it. It's time for the Where Is It Now Geocaching Podcast, where you can escape the muggles in your life for almost, but not quite, 30 minutes. This podcast is sponsored by the Four State Geocaching Society and was recorded at Digital Planet Studios near Joplin, Missouri. Now let's welcome our host, Where Is It Now? Hey, good morning, everybody. It's time for the Where Is It Now Geocaching Podcast podcast. This is episode number 80. How exciting. Now, I know I say that every week, but it's because every week I'm excited. Don't believe me? I just raced home. And by home, I mean from an hour and a half away because I wanted to come out and record the podcast. I also wanted a cup of coffee really bad. And the two things, well, Two of the things I can do at Digital Planet Studios is record podcasts and drink coffee. I have lots of coffee. (sighs) I was just in Springfield, Missouri, and I went to an RV show. Now, it, it was an RV and camper show, and you're probably asking yourself, why did you go to a camper show? You already have a camper. I know, but you know what? <laughs> the disease is is strong within this one. And I was thinking, you know, maybe I want to go and look at bigger campers. Now, I bought my camper based solely on the thing that I wanted uh, a camper that I could pull behind me while I was geocaching, not just pull it somewhere, park it, and go geocaching. And so my camper's small enough that I can seriously drive through cemeteries with it. I can go on back roads and anywhere my car can go, my camper can go. However, it's pretty small when it comes time to set up camp for the night. What it's good at is sleeping. And when it's warmer out, that outdoor kitchen rocks. It's no problem. Having a fold-up chair, sit outside listening to the outdoor speakers not a problem. What is a problem was that trip where it was nine degrees below zero in Iowa and Minnesota and getting out to make a cup of coffee was a hardship. And the other thing that's really been kind of weighing heavy on my mind is that it's hard to record a podcast inside the camper. Now, I've been telling myself the last four or five trips, I'm going to record a podcast in the camper. Guess what? Not one, not one time have I recorded a podcast in the camper. I've lugged all the gear with me. I've got a mixer. I've got two laptops, a PC and a MacBook. I've got microphones. I have everything I need to make it happen. But in my camper, you have two choices when you're inside. One is you're sitting on the couch or it's pulled out into a bed and it's no longer a couch. Excuse me, big drink of coffee. Man, it's so good. Well, when I'm out camping, I've got it pulled out into a bed. And so I don't really have a way to both sleep and record without moving things around. Now, it would take me four or five minutes to get things from a bed to a couch or vice versa. 
I don't have a good excuse other than the fact I haven't done it. So it's been on my mind that if I had a little bit bigger camper that had a table in it, you know, like a dinette or something like that, then I would have room to actually record the podcast. The other thing that's been on my mind, even though I have never prepared a meal in my outdoor kitchen, I basically all I even carry with me is coffee. I have two coffee pots. I don't, don't ask me and uh, coffee and I have some instant oatmeal and a bowl. So, that, and I have a microwave I could use, but no, I've never used it yet, but I've had it on my mind that I need an indoor uh, kitchen and I do need to cook my, to make my coffee indoors when it's freezing outside. And the truth is it really in a bigger camper why would you want to go outside to make coffee or to cook oatmeal? Why wouldn't you want to be inside? Well, with all these things that I want, I give up one of the main things that I need, and that's being able to geocache in the camper. I went and looked at new campers. To, I'm sorry. Yeah, new trailers today. And it was pretty amazing. Amazing, And like anything, you start out thinking this would be good enough. And then before you know it, you're looking at things that are way too big and too fancy and too expensive. But I did calm myself down and come up with two or three possibilities. The thing is, once I move from what I have, which is basically a little bit larger teardrop type camper. Once I move up from that to the next biggest size, it's really a difference in size. Now, what's funny is, is I, mine is 109 inches long. That's the length of my camper and the model, it's a Sunray. So they, they actually name their models after the inches. There's a 109, a 129, which I saw for the first time today, a 139, and a 149, and then you get into the bigger ones that I can't remember the names of them, but I think a 17W Classic or something. Who knows? But once you leave the one I have, you are getting into a wider, taller camper. Now, that's a problem when you're geocaching. One of the things that I, my original things was, I wanted to make sure that I didn't get anything that was so tall that it would hit branches or things when I was out in the woods. Now, my current camper, it's set up. I don't need uh, a campsite. I can go out in the middle of a field or in the middle of the mountains, and I have propane and I have electricity, not enough to run an air conditioner, but it runs the fans, the uh, uh, refrigerator, the heat, uh, the lighting, not enough to run the TV either. I'm going to work on that. But um, the thing is, once I move this next step up, even the smallest next step up, everything is bigger. So I have to make sure that I can still geocache. It's real concern. Anyway, I found two or three I really liked. And one that I really liked, I found out some things that I care about that I didn't know that I care about. I thought I wanted a table, like a little breakfast nook with a table or something. 
I really don't. What I really want is a couch with, even if it's a TV table in front of it, I really want a couch. I really want an indoor cushion and the rest of it, you know, it's all open. But having looked at these campers that would have all been a good improvement for me, uh, I was excited about all of them. I found three or four that will work for me. And I made a connection and I'm going to drive. It's about a two hour drive from Joplin where I live and I can go. And they said they would take mine as a trade in. They didn't say how much, but it is a brand that they represent and they would honor the show prices if I go there in person and they will let me hook my car up to, or my, yeah, my car up to one of the campers I think might work and pull it for a little bit to see if it's going to work. I don't think the weight's an issue. I just think the size when I'm geocaching is the issue. So we'll find out. Okay, that's a lot of talk about campers. I know that most of you, if not all of you, well, not all of you, most of you don't have campers. You're not going to pull anything behind you. But someday I'm going to show you what this thing looks like, and you may change your mind. You could pull what I have now with a Volkswagen Beetle if it had a, a tow package on it, which most don't. But I'm just saying it's so lightweight. You can geocache with it. You can camp with it. Uh, you can have some fun with it. I just got back yesterday from Texas. Now, it was an unplanned trip. And <laughs> it was a trip I was not invited on. And if my wife is listening, thanks so much. Her and her sister and her nephew were driving to Dallas to see one of her other sisters and her niece who actually live in Washington or Oregon. Maybe it's Oregon right now. And they were going to Dallas and they have a new baby and they were going and my wife was going to go see her. And they said, you know, which is fine. She can go anywhere she wants. I do. She does. But she didn't invite me to go because she probably didn't think I wanted to go. And the truth is I kind of wanted to go. So I decided I would go to Dallas as well and geocache along the way. And I told her, I said, I think I might go to Texas too. And she looked at me kind of surprised, but I could kind of tell she didn't really want me to go with her. So I said, yeah, and I'm just going to drive myself. And then she looked at me like I was crazy, which is not an uncommon look for her to, uh, towards me. Uh, so anyway, I decided that I would go down through Arkansas, pop into Oklahoma, and grab the eastern counties that I needed in Oklahoma. It was only nine. And then there was, then when I hit Texas, there were three counties I could pick up there, or two, I don't really know, and then hit in McKinney, Texas, where she was staying, and I found a state park I could camp in there. It was only 20 bucks a night, right on the lake. The weather was beautiful, just beautiful. <sighs> I got my counties. I went and had dinner with my wife and her sister and my nephew, our nephew. And we had, what do we have? We had Mexican. And it wasn't the kind of Mexican I want when I go to Texas. It was really, it's going to sound funny. It was Tex-Mex. I wanted something a little more traditional and but I know I was in Texas. But anyway, it was good food. We had a good meal. 
And then I went to my campground and they went to their hotel, which I bought all their hotel rooms, uh, but didn't stay at the hotel. I went camping and it was just beautiful, beautiful weather. The other thing I had on my radar, which I want to talk about today is I, I think I said on a previous podcast that I was at the oldest cache in Texas one time, but didn't get it. It turns out I was wrong. This was not the cache I was thinking of. So whatever that was, this was not it. I needed the oldest cache in Texas to uh, fill in one of my, uh, well, it was September of 2000 hides. And there was also the second oldest, I think it was the second oldest, uh, both in the te- in the Dallas area, that was November of 2000. So I decided I would go get those two caches and I got up the next morning and I did. Now, I want to talk about Tombstone, which is the oldest cache in Texas. It's in the Dallas area. And I want to talk about it for a minute because maybe, actually, I'm going to talk about two caches because maybe I can save you a little bit of trouble. Now, Tombstone is a multi, which a multi from the year 2000. I don't know if that's rare, but it's a little bit rare, right? It's not, it's a little bit rare. And multis, you always worry, is there a stage missing? And when you're talking about a cache that's 22 years old, I was a little nervous. So I read up quite a bit before I went. And the one thing I saw in the logs a lot was, ah, we went the wrong direction and had to bushwhack a lot. So I didn't know what I was expecting. I was, well, I did. I was expecting, I knew it was near a cemetery. I was expecting it to be out in the country near a cemetery where there was a lot of possible bushwhacking. I expected this to take a while. It did not take a while. It was super easy, super fast, but it's super, I like saying super, it's super important that you don't bushwhack and that you go the right direction. So I'm going to help you out. When you go to the posted coordinates, the first place it's going to take you is, first of all, this is at a university. Who knew? It's at a, I can't remember which one. Let's see. University of Arlington. Yeah. And it's going to take you to a university, to a parking lot. And you're going to be in a parking lot that's right next to a little kiosk, like a little, if you like, it looks like a guard gate, but it's really for information. I went on a Sunday, there was nobody in it. And there were only two cars in the parking lot, but there's about 10 or 15 spaces that are for visitor parking. Grab a visitor parking spot as close to the kiosk as you can if the college is open that day. If it's Sunday, if you're looking at the the little guard thing, the little uh, information kiosk, go as far left in the parking lot as you can and park down there. That's really staff parking, but they weren't there on Sunday. You're going to cross a little bridge. You'll see it just to your left. You're going to think you're going to just walk straight to the graveyard from where you are, don't try it. It's it's steep going down, steep coming up, and it's water at the bottom. It's a creek. And it's just not even going to save you time, and it's going to be hassle and probably wet or muddy. So take the little bridge across 
and the bridge takes you right to where you need to be, it's going to bring you into a corner of a really small cemetery that you can't, you don't need to enter it. I don't think you even can. It's going to bring you right to the fence. And then it says for your next stage, look at the, uh, oh, I, I missed an important stage here. This is actually stage two. It's going to take you to a tombstone uh, and ask you to find the child's first name on the tombstone. Now, this is part two. I, I'm going to back up. The original coordinates, coordinates take you right on a street that once again on Sunday was not busy at all. There was really no parking there except for there is a um, an apartment complex right across the street that you can sneak a park in there and walk across the street. But it's funny. I went and looked at that. Um, it's it's like a little memorial. It's a little, I don't know how to, it's a plaque. And you need the first name of the coach off this plaque. That's number one that you need. And number two, you need the first name of the child at the cemetery. And those two things are going to easily, you can do it in the field. You don't need to solve this at home. You don't need to go back to your car. Once you have those two first names, it's going to give you uh, all the extra coordinates you need to fill out the waypoint and walk right to the cache. Now, I could save you some time and just tell you, you don't even need those. Here's the most important advice I can give you about this cache, other than the parking and don't, don't walk through the creek. Counterclockwise. Go counterclockwise. Now, I come from this information having reached out to the person that found it right before me asking for advice. And they pointed this out heavily to me. And it was the smartest thing of all. All you're going to do is walk around this really short trip around this chain link fence in the cemetery counterclockwise till you come to those coordinates you put in. Even if you don't have the coordinates, it's kind of pretty easy to find. Take the geo trail. There is no bushwhacking. You're really just going to walk around a fence. You're going to walk up to a tree. It's inside the tree in a small container, like a, like a large water bottle. Um, and it's going to be an easy find. Now, as I was leaving the cache, I looked over to see what it would have been like if I would have gone the wrong way, which by the way, is the short way. I mean, theoretically, they're exactly the same distance, but what looks what was closer to where the uh, tombstone was would have taken me the other way. I can't even imagine, guys. It looked impossible, totally impossible. So that's my advice to that cash to help you easily get a cash from September of 2000 without, I think you would have had to crawl, not just bushwhack, but I think you would have had to crawl through the most dense mess of tanglement that you can imagine. Totally unnecessary. The second cash I want to talk to you about also in the Dallas area is called not a walk in the park. And I think it's called that because there's a cache hidden in October of 2000 called A Walk in the Park. But this one is not a walk in the park. 
And I went there because I needed September for Tombstone, but I also needed November for this cash. I didn't happen to need October. I already had that month. So I didn't go after that one, but not a uh, walk in the park. So here's the thing you need to know. If you follow the directions to where it wants to take you and then go further down a road, it's a paved road that says you're in a neighborhood. You're in neighborhoods and it looks like the cache is off in the woods, but it looks like it's behind these houses. And you'll be asking yourself, should I park on the street and cut in between these houses, maybe through their yards? Not necessary and not helpful. Just keep going down the road that says uh, no through fair or not a through street or some sort of dead end. And you come to a place where there's a parking area and it's actually a conservation area or a park. It's something owned by the U.S. government that was made for people to use, uh, to either hike on, lots of bike riders, uh, a really cool place. You're going to park there. There's room for four or five cars, and there's a little walkway leading you right into a trail. You'll know that you're in the right place. As soon as you walk in the trail, let me save you time the first time on this cache and tell you, take the first left. Naturally, you don't know which way you want to go. You don't know where these trails are going to go. If you, if you don't take the first left, then take the second left. I don't think any other options are good options, but I don't know. I took the seventh, second left going down, which was fine. They both get you to where you want to go. And I took what would have been the first left coming back, which did seem a little bit shorter. You're looking as the crow's flies of two-tenths of a mile. This is a very short hike, okay? And it's, but it's very heavily ridden by mountain bikers. So you need to be on guard and ready to step aside at a moment's notice because they're coming and they're coming fast and it's narrow and it's not dangerous for us. It's dangerous for them. So for their safety, be ready to step off fast because they can't swerve without hitting a tree on either side. Just keep walking, keep walking, keep walking, and eventually you're going to come to a little bridge that crosses over a creek. Now, you may be tempted to go across this creek before you come to this bridge. That's why I say I'm saving you. I guess that's number two. Number one, take the first left. Number two, take it all the way till there's a little bridge that crosses the creek. Remember to watch out for these bikers. As soon as you cross the creek, just come up, just get out of people's way. And there's a little place where three paths intersect. You're actually walking south, I believe, as you cross this creek. There's a path that goes on south. There's one that goes east. And there's one that goes west. You're going to turn east, but then you're going to take the very next south or right that you can. So you're coming across the bridge. You're going to turn left and immediately turn right. Now, this right you're going to take isn't a path like all these other paths. It's more of a geo path or a horse path or, you know, it's noticeable. You'll know it's a path, but it's not like these others that are dirt and well-worn. And you need to do this. Now, I'm going to back up and tell you why I'm even telling you about this cache. This was hidden in the year 2000. 
And when it was hidden, there was a wooden post sort of where the coordinates take you. And this is important. This is not a multi. However, the coordinates do not take you to the cache. They take you to what used to be a wooden post where these three paths intersect. And in the description, it says something like, take, start at the post and go 75 paces. I don't know how far a pace is. I don't know if it said south or southwest or whatever. But the point is, the post is gone. It's no longer there. You, you're going to be standing somewhere and you're not even exactly sure where the post was. So I'm just telling you, go across the bridge, turn left down the dirt path, almost immediately, like 10 feet later, turn right down a little path and keep going. Now, there is a poem to get you to this cache. So it has all kinds of clues. The problem is the post is gone. And so you will get lost unless you read back uh, among previous logs quite a ways back that actually give you the coordinates of where the cache is. But you're going to walk down to this path. And one of the things in the poem and the poem talks about a flat rock that is maybe six feet wide, five feet wide. I don't know. When you come to, into this path, you're going to see that rock. And right at the base of that rock is the ammo can which is kind of messed up, but however works fine. The logs in there, you can log this fine. Now, I hope that helped. I hope you guys go to Texas if you haven't and get those two caches. And if you need October, grab that one too. There's actually two caches in the Dallas area with the October 2000 hide date. So you can knock out three of your year 2000 hides if you go to the Dallas area. And I hope I have saved you some time by giving you these tips. Now, are you listening on Spotify? If you are, did you notice something different? I probably should have said this at the very beginning, but I didn't. If you're watching or listening on Spotify for the first time ever, episode number 80, number 80 that's a cross between 80 and video. Episode number 80 is the first ever video podcast of the Where Is It Now Geocaching podcast. Spotify, who hosts my podcast with a, a, a service called Anchor, they own Anchor, uh, recently made it available. I'm an early, uh, they reached out to me and said I have early access that you can now record your podcast as a video, post it on the Anchor platform like I did my audio. And for the people that are listening on Spotify, you can also see the pod podcast. If you're on any other platform, it will strip it. You can't see me. And I don't even know what to think about this. Honestly, I was in the car. I got up early this morning, took a shower, threw a sweatshirt on, a hat on, had no idea. You know how it is when it's picture day? Well, this is video day. I was not prepared. I don't know what I would have worn, but uh, if you've never seen me before, you are now seeing me. And I don't know if this makes you want to switch to Spotify or just uh, complain that it's not on your platform, but I think it's kind of cool. Guys, I'm going to call it a day there. I am uh, going crazy geocaching. I hope you are too. Listen, you know what you need to do. You know you need to go find a geocache. I'll see you next week.
You've been listening to the Where Is It Now Geocaching Podcast. Please subscribe, rate us five stars in your reviews and tell your friends about the podcast. Now, be good lads and lassies and go and find a geocache.